I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Darnikar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by spiritual teacher, author, coach, and fellow Ruckus Avenue radio host, Robina Dhinsa. Stay tuned. So I'm fairly sure that a byproduct of the pandemic, for many, including me, has been the awareness of self, the analysis of what matters, and the appreciation of what's currently active in our minds, our soul, and even each individual breath. My family's had a long tradition of studying and practicing yoga and pranayam, but a few years ago, I really started discovering the importance of this self-awareness in both my personal and professional day-to-day life, particularly during those busy days in an active pediatric practice or during any stressful moments venturing too high or too low. And especially this year, with so many twists, turns, and high-velocity events straying away from those centered areas of calmness, I'm so glad to have caught up with Robina Dinsa, who's also a fellow host on Ruckus Avenue Radio. She's an electrical engineer, a former corporate sales executive, and a spiritual coach and teacher for individuals and teams. Her work focuses on soul-level effectiveness, harnessing meditation and yoga science, and developing authentic connection and purpose. Her weekly show, Journeying with Robina, has really been a favorite of mine, and I caught up with her recently to chat about her own journey, among other things, and about whether or not the pandemic has made us pause and reflect more. Do you think that people are becoming or have become more aware of those inner questions that they have and and are perhaps more apt to pause and reflect on them? I completely agree. And I like what you said because this past year, it feels like kind of the world has hit a giant pause button. And you can think of this kind of as, as a gap And it's allowing even the people who were never really, we'll put in quotes, spiritual or who questioned what this is all about, even they are questioning. And I see that a lot with my work in organizations and teams that they're becoming open and asking themselves, what is this all about? What am I doing here? What is my purpose? And that's the first step to diving deeper. And I think this is what we all need to do now. And... And, you know, it helps to navigate this time, too. And it helps to also maybe make use of a situation that is not ideal. But if not now, then when? I mean, what a great opportunity to dive deep and to figure out, wait a minute, what am I doing here? What is my purpose beyond my job, beyond the roles that I have in my life? And that's where it starts. It starts with the questioning. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah. And, and the funny part is, is, what do you think stopped us before from from asking this? I mean, in general, even now, as we as a, lo- a lot of people are kind of resuming some so- sort of normalcy or, or a return, for that matter, to a different pace or rhythm to their lives. Mm. You know, you know what stops people from asking this? I, I've had this conversation with others where you know, as we we join back into the sort of pace of pre-pandemic or even a new pa- new post-pandemic lifestyle yeah. that, you know, are we just coming back to old habits and, you know, perhaps even asking the question of like, you know, well, what in learning from what's been going on, how do, how do we now, you know, think about like why we didn't ask these questions before? 
Well, it's true. I mean, I was thinking of that too. Why do we need a catalyst? Why do we need something bad to happen for mm -hmm. us to kind of be shaken and wake up? Why, why is that? Why is human nature like that? I mean, I think we're just programmed to not accept change. We don't like change and change scares us. And that's an opportunity to go behind the layers. That's kind of what I do. I take people sort of behind the scenes. Who is that that is fearing? And what is that fear? So part of my work is identifying that fear. Why, where did the fear of change come from? And to go even deeper, a lot of it is, this is going to be kind of a, a biggie, but the fear of death, the fear mm -hmm. of loss, right? I, I feel like I'm losing something and the ego thinks, oh my God, part of me is dying. So we have to, we have to not change. We have to grasp onto whatever the eyes can see because that is real. And so we kind of create this life based on what the mind tells us we are. And so we create our life at the end of the day and we create it either based on who we are or what the mind tells us. And it's in that reflection. So as soon as something happens that, you know, contradicts who we are and, and kind of shakes us up a little bit, then we question. But unfortunately, if we have this life that the mind creates that forces it to be completely balanced, but, it, but not in a natural way, and we distract ourselves and we numb ourselves, then unfortunately, life can just go on and on and on and on until maybe later on in life, we're triggered by something. And then maybe a disease is manifested or something like that. So before that happens, Let's not wait for something bad to happen. Let's dive deep now and find out what this is all for. But unfortunately, I think to answer your question, we're scared of change. You yeah. Know? And, and you know, the, what's amazing about that is we're programmed to have this survival mechanism of, you know, em, not just embracing, but being comfortable with all the things that we fear, whether it's change, whether it's loss, whether it's grief, yeah. and that's very protective. And yet, is there a switch that has to go off to say you can do that while also seeking joy and seeking and embracing the po positivity of how if by asking those questions, you'll actually gain that much more joy and, and positivity too. How do you help people maybe frame that a little bit? Well, I think it's not about waiting for an external catalyst to happen for that switch to go off. Why don't we turn our own switch? And one of the ways to open that switch, and we'll call it the switch of awareness, just being awakened to seeing maybe life in a different perspective. That's all. I don't think our lives need to be changed at all. I don't think anyone's life is bad. It's just a different perspective to start observing and not becoming. So what if we are just among the things that happen to us, but not a part of it. Sounds good, but practically, what do you do? One of the best ways to turn that switch is to use one of the greatest technologies that we have, and that is the breath. Mm. The breath in yogic science, which I, I've been studying and practicing, that breath is, your, is life. That is a body within the body. And in yogic science, they say, it's not the body that's alive, it's the breath that's alive. Mm. It's the breath that is giving you life and animating this. So what if we dug down and used that breath to turn that switch of awareness and we don't need anything outside of ourselves. Yeah. It's within us the whole time. And these are 
times and and pieces that <laughs> just require real real pause and yeah. silence and you know switching off and when i think about the questions that you're asking and even the introspective analysis that has to be done with this you know yeah. some of these are so personal because they they require a lot of processing and you know an intimacy behind figuring out that data that you talk about right mm. and and yet we're all very social animals right i mean we we crave community and companionship and you know how have you been able to in some ways grapple this tension between look i need to introspectively reimagine or reexamine those questions for myself and yet i crave doing it in a group i crave doing it with other people and i crave sharing that with other people too how, how do you how do you wrestle that in sometimes I help a lot of uh, teams with just that in in the corporate world, and I'm just thinking of one of the keynotes that I deliver is called "Authentic Connection in a Virtual World." How do you connect authentically when you're behind the screen now? It just doesn't feel the same. You can't do any of that social stuff anymore, and I suffer with it too. We're we're social animals. We're meant to be in tribes. We're not meant to be solitary, right? But once again, I go back and I teach this to them, to the teams also, is that think of this as temporary. Yeah. Everything in this life is temporary, isn't it? Everything is. Objects are, our thoughts are, we're happy one minute, we're sad the next, where did that go? Yeah. Everything will come and go. So will Corona, so will this temporary time. So why not grasp on to that one thing that's not temporary, the one thing that'll never come and go, and that's who you really are. So what I teach them is that authentic connections with others begins with you. Yes. So even, even pre-pandemic, did you, or the, the team that I'm speaking with or whoever's out there, did you ever really authentically connect with others? Even when you were among your friends and out and doing all these fun things, or were you always connecting on the mind? There's, mm -hmm. It's a huge difference. And I take people through that, connecting through compassion, which is the heart, versus connecting with the mind. The mind is always attached to an object. It's always attached to me. Well, if I were you, I would do this. I, yeah, I, I sympathize with you because I would do that if I were you. That's yeah. the mind, that's empathy. Empathy is not bad, empathy is yeah. okay. But how about we sort of transfer from empathy to compassion, which has nothing to do with you. It's all yeah. about the others. It's all about the others and being there for the other person. Not even mentioning, I would do that if I were you. Right. You know? <laughs> right. It's a, you don't always have to have the solution for others, but perhaps oh. listening to what their predicaments or their joys or successes are is exactly the value that you, that you find. That's it. And kind of what you were saying before we, we came on air is this idea of listening. You know, and you were telling me in your practice that the majority of your time is spent listening. And that is compassion. That is being there. But how are you able to listen to others? You gotta start by working on yourself. End of story. Rabina, you've so eloquently now described how do you actually pivot right from that idea of being not only just aware, but then taking that those relation the development of those relationships and really providing a space to listen and and being aware of what your own questions are. For mm. you personally, when you were going through your childhood or adolescence. You know, are there people or experiences when you were younger for you that when you were reflect upon that now were sort of positive accelerators 
of your yeah. own journey in being able to come to these realizations. For sure. And the first things that pop to my mind is not the pleasant experiences. It's really the things that you think are bad. It's those. If those hadn't have happened, I wouldn't be here today. And one of those experiences I'll, I'll share now, which was really one of the biggest catalysts, is when I was around 23-ish, I ran off and got married. But who I married and all of people who are South Asian will understand exactly what I mean now. I married someone who was a different religion. I married someone who was Muslim and I'm Sikh. Yeah. But I was always beyond that. I was always beyond that. Um, on a soul level, I was always deeply connected to who I am, even though I wasn't outwardly spiritual. But I never saw people as different. I just simply didn't. But I was very sort of impulsive and defiant and I ran off and, and married him. And what was the consequence? my entire family wiped their hands off of me. That's it. No more daughter. Literally, you're dead to us. Yeah. And the impact of that was very deep. Knowing that you can sort of be discarded even by your family, I realized I don't have a foundation. So it took me years. It, wasn't, it was very traumatic at the time, but I created my own foundation. So over time, I became my own mother, my own father, my own friend, my own partner, my own everything, which is more powerful than anyone outside could be. And I realized I got to rely on myself and create and cultivate my own family. Although my family today is okay, kind of bridged the gap more or less, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I still... I'm very particular with who I surround myself with. I'm very aware of alignment. And most importantly, that foundation, I created it. Yeah. And, and so that was one of the most pivotal moments, knowing that, you know what, maybe this is my own soul's journey. And, that, and you all who are listening can understand that sometimes you don't feel connected to even your own family, your yeah. own blood. Sometimes you have to create your own family and they're not blood related. You know, you know, in order to take all of those building blocks and, you know, we talk about catalysts um, for this, did you find that there was some solace in finding others who'd gone through the same process? I mean, a lot of times we, we like that support and we almost need that sort of, you know, coalition building or, or collaboration to at least understand how to do that in the first place. Completely, completely. A lot of, I'm just thinking a lot of my close friends now, although we don't talk about the, the things that have happened because it's, it's very processed within all of us who've dealt with it, but it, it just adds that depth to the friendship. Mm -hmm. So if, but it's obviously not a requirement to, to have a friend who's gone through the same types of things, but absolutely it adds that element of depth because for me, what's important in my life is to have those soulful connections. That's just a personal thing yeah. that I like in this life to have those really soulful friendships as opposed to having just an entourage of acquaintances. I've never right. been like that. Right. You know? And so. I mean, you know, I wonder if uh, going through that process of kind of, you know, building that world around you of being your your friend, being, being your family and and creating that that support so that it's it's very self-reliant and that you have this idea of being content. W was that something that as you also went through the process of being an engineer and being in the corporate environment and being a model, um, were those tools supportive to your success in finding your soul 
and understanding your spirituality as you were in those spaces as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I didn't have those profound realizations when I was in the corporate world. Mm. Um, it only came together later on, as it sometimes happens, like when people have these powerful self-realizations. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen in your 20s. For me, yeah. it happened when I was maybe, maybe about five years ago. I'm 45 now. And so it happened around 40. And But it doesn't matter when it happens. It really doesn't matter. It's just a matter of as soon as it does happen, it all sort of falls into place. So even the past fell into place and you start honoring and appreciating the past. But even now when I'm creating my programs for teams, um, which is really kind of, I merge the corporate world and the spiritual world together and I create these programs and offerings for teams and, and all that sort of stuff, just to take them a little bit deeper while still using business language and kind of weaving that yogic wisdom. It is very, profound what I do because it's not that, you know, I'm, I'm an island um, on my own or anything, but everything that I've done and experienced before, it sort of equipped me to be delivering this. So beyond the, what I've created and what I'm presenting, it's the energy that you're sharing. So yes. what they're benefiting from is the energy of someone who's evolved through all of these experiences. What do you say to people when you have when you talk to those in the corporate environment or for that matter anybody who really grapple with the idea of asking these questions and being present with themselves and confuse that sometimes with religion and the uh, the notion that there's you know, I don't want to do that because, you know, I'm really not religious or, or I don't believe in this. It, you know, how do you how do you sort of march folks beyond that question? It's funny. I talked to an organization not so long ago and they were a little skeptical about what I was offering. And their question was, well, it sounds like it's associated with a religion or a belief or God. And we, you can't talk about that with our with our team or with our organization. And and so it was interesting because what I speak of is not attached to anything. It's universal, but I'm not there to convince you on it. You have to ask yourself and filter everything that I talk about through your own truth and see what it means to you. Yes. So it was a little bit difficult to explain to these people and, and they didn't, I never heard from them again, which is yeah. okay too, because yeah. it, it depends on where they're at. I'm, we're not here to convince other people. You know what I mean? Right. So um, that's kind of like reminds me of, of giving advice to other people. Yeah. Advice yeah. is not something that that we're here to give or to to receive. Mm -hmm. Today it's all about guidance and guidance is from the heart. Advice yeah. is of the mind. Right. You know? That's me, me, me. And um and I think that we just have to really see what it means to us. And and you're absolutely right that a lot of the corporate world is a little bit scared of spirituality, um, the word God and, and that kind of thing. And I don't think it's a matter of me saying, don't be scared of it. I think they have to just, as soon as you realize a little bit who you are by doing your own inner work, then the mind calms and you govern more from who you really are. You, you know? being a, yourself kind of a catalyst for being able to have that realization, you know, when and how did you figure out that this was a purpose of yours? You know, I mean, th this yeah. is something that, that you've cultivated over time, but I imagine that there there's always been that kind of yearning to be able to have this this role or or knowing that this was kind of your purpose. Totally. Um I was always sort of even when I was in the corporate world selling software and 
all of the things that I did. I sold a lot of technical software like AI and machine learning and all those very techie kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit techie on, on one side. Yeah. And so, but I always felt like I wanted to help others and I didn't know how. And I thought, well, I guess I'll just sell software. And, and you can still be of great service by doing that job, by the way. You don't have to do what I did and just up and change your complete, you know, your right. career completely. But what happened to me was, I always was very high and low. I would have these deep bouts of depression. I would resurface and I tried everything to balance that, but I never was able to go deeper. I didn't know how to, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And about five years ago when I was at Microsoft, I had this really profound experience where I had a choice, either not be in this life or be in this life. It was, it was that, it was there. And what happened to me was I had this profound self-realization that no, my physical body didn't die, but a part of that ego identification did. Mm -hmm. Suddenly I was confronted in this very house, this experience happened with who I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And so my mind led me to believe that you are the one who traveled. You are the one who likes this, who does this as a job, who's a sister, who's a daughter, who this, that, and the other, mm -hmm. all of that sort of ripped away from me and mm -hmm. what was left was me. And so through a lot of work, absolutely, it wasn't like this, through a lot of meditation, deep work, studying with the foremost spiritual teachers in this world, that's when I uncovered certain truths of this life. And the biggest one was how we are creating each experience, starting from what we believe ourselves to be. And we can all take a look at our friends and our family now. They're just you. They're a creation from what you believe. So if you believe that you're not worthy and deserving, guess what's going to mirror back to you? A bit, mm. a bit of chaos. So your friends are going to kind of take you on a bit of a, a journey. They're not going to be so honoring towards you because of what you believe yourself to be. End of story. And, and I'm, um, I'm so moved by that because there's always a grappling that people go through, right? Where they come to that aha moment. They, they realize that this is something that they're, um, they're, they've, they've gone through or they've now realized about themselves. And I'm curious how you then allow people the space to work through this one, which is finding that focus involves that sort of mental quiet and, and looking at that and finally re realizing what you have and in some ways kind of being content with that. But what effect, how can that still actually be associated with drive and motivation and the idea that you know um, there's achievement out there. Um, is there a way to be content with what you see and what you have and what you realize and still be quite motivated towards a goal and still be quite motivated towards success? Absolutely, because you know, tapping into who you are makes you realize success on the outside, whether it's financial success, prosperity, closing deals, whatever it is on the outside, began from the inside. And the thing is, you got to do two things. I really believe you have to be at a point where you're kind of fed up with how things are now. You have to reach that point. I'm not saying you want to do something dramatic and, 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 you know, end your life, that kind of thing. But sometimes it takes that. You have to be extremely fed up and you have to give things a chance. You have to try, try things. So whenever you're, let's say, on a meditation journey, our mind will tell us, well, it's not working. Well, yeah. I mean, nothing has really changed. That's that's the thing. Like, yeah, got to quiet that mind by 
keeping on a disciplined routine. Discipline is great for the body, great for the mind. I really even believe in waking up at a certain hour, eating the same things every day. It sounds military. Yeah. That's what's going to do it. And then suddenly, when you feel you are knowing yourself a little more, you're realizing, hmm, I can create this success. And what that looks like maybe in the corporate world is aligning to the right people. So not maybe prospecting a hundred people and going on LinkedIn and trying to find someone to will sell your product. Yeah. It's trusting that, that you're zoning in on that right person. And mm -hmm. so those, maybe those five people are going to, you know, be fruitful for your, for whatever it is you want to do for business because they align to who you are, not what you say, not your product. Ultimately, this entire life is going to sort of recalibrate to who you are. So much so because I think it's all about, in some ways, cultivating trust, right? You, um, you speak of this whole concept of reaching sort of like a tipping point. You have to have that the edge of chaos, right? To, to say, listen, I, I'm looking for, I'll try anything. And, and perhaps being at that spot allows you to now, in some ways, reflect and be open and being able to, in fact take that plunge um, of discovery for yourself. Yeah, and I think that a lot of um, what I talk about in organizations is how do you cultivate that trust, that trust within a team? How do you be that vulnerable leader and understand that vulnerability is power? It's also a really fascinating world and, and a great hobby to get into. Might as well, you know, delve into right. who you are. It's probably better than watching TV. It's it's fascinating to know how is this working? How is this whole, it's such an intelligent, almost an AI system, right? That's happening in our body. I love know? that concept of, you know, develop, you are your best hobby, right? I mean, yeah. you know, what is, what is better and probably more joyful? And for that matter, ultimately, the, the most rewarding thing that you can do is to concentrate on yourself and, um, you know, yeah. one one thing that I'm curious, so curious about, um, especially given your your own personal deep experiences, um, does that take in order for you to really kind of get to the point of self realization and self love? Um, is that the ultimate version of of trust? Is, is that that you're you're so um, contemplative and uh, able to in fact, look at the inner workings of yourself to know your processes, know your moods, know your habits, know how you're going to react and respond to, to situations. Um, is that the, the ultimate um, goal here is to, to simply be so self-aware that it then bleeds into all the other aspects of your life and, and your, your socialization? as much as possible. And, and it's not hard, It's not easy for anyone to do that all day long, right? You can't be self-aware all day long. Why? Because we live in this world and we're triggered and we're human. Yeah. And so sometimes we're gonna get upset and freak out and it doesn't mean you've, you're not self-aware anymore. It's almost like one of um, my friends, a spiritual teacher once talked to me about kind of the spiritual journey being a wheel. So as a wheel is turning forward, when the wheel stops, it goes back just a little bit but it, it's hard to notice, but, but it goes back just a little bit. doesn't mean you've taken a step back, but if we can remember who we are is the middle yeah. as much as we can during the day, 
that's really our goal. Our goal isn't to achieve this ultimate, um, you know, to be evolved because we're already evolved. It's the mind that makes us believe we're not. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's number one. But if throughout the day we can just remember, oh, I can go back to that balance. So you get upset. It's okay. Go back to balance. Oh, what was it there to teach me? Oh, yeah, yeah. that it, I'm not a victim of that. Oh, okay. This is happening for me, not to me. Okay, let me take a pause before I lose my mind and react. Let me take a pause before I send that email and to go inwards a little bit and ask myself, why was that person invited to me? Yeah. It's really an empowering way to be and not a victim of, of our circumstances. And what do I do when I'm upset? I take a pause and then I talk to the other person and I'm, I open up and that's vulnerability. This is how it made me feel. This is my perception of what happened. Not that it's right or wrong, but this is how I perceive it. And I want to talk about it. Rabina, I don't know too many people who, after having listened to you speak and, and journeyed with you, are um, going to leave without this great feeling of, of contemplation and, and really contentment. Thank you so much for, for being with us. It was really a treat. And I hope you'll come back and visit with us again. Thank you. It was such an honor and I'm so grateful and I would love to, to come back anytime. Thank you. Thanks so much again, Robina. And find out more at robinadinsa.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow me at My Good Friend on social media. And a shout out to celebrate and study the importance of Juneteenth. Remember to purposefully unplug, engage in deep connections and pay attention to your breathing. Till next time, I'm Abhay Darndika. Because every story told is a lesson learned. Because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share stories about South Asian people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hear it every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio or wherever you get your podcast. This is Samika, and you're listening to Ruckus Avenue Radio, the world's largest South Asian radio station.